Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us. This is 89.5 Nantucket's NPR station, and you're listening to Camille's Demi Hour, where we talk about all fun things related to food and wine here on the island of Nantucket. And in the studio today, we are quite fortunate to have a real winemaker in the house. We have Frederic Peniotis, who is visiting the island and who I actually used to work with years ago at Veuve Clicquot. Yes, he's Greek, but he is a French wine <laughs> French winemaker. Why don't you tell us about your background, Frederic, and where did you begin making champagne? I'm, I'm actually, okay, my name is Greek, Camille, but I'm actually very, very French uh, because I was born and raised actually in Reims, in Champagne, and my grandparents had a little vineyard. So I didn't really stop making champagne with them, but I started to uh, learn how to harvest and look at the grapes and so see a press being operated. And But uh, the, first, um, the first champagne... I work with was actually the uh, uh, the Research Institute of Champagne, the uh, Comité du Vin de Champagne. That's where uh, I started to make some uh, experimentations and stuff like that, and, and making a little bit of uh, of uh, champagne. But the real the real uh, how that I started to work with was actually Veuve Clicquot in 1994. And you're with right now Champagne Ruinard, correct? Yes, correct. I have been uh, chef de cave, cellar master at uh, Ruinard for the past uh, eight years. Can you tell the audience the difference between a chef de cave and a cellar master? Well, I guess it's the same thing. It's, it is it's, the same thing. It is translation. And uh, what about wine director? Or is that well, more of an American term? Right. You'd be, well, wine director might be more for like um, in a restaurant or in a hotel. Uh, you know, cellar master or chef de cave is basically being in charge of the, uh, of the champagne production, which... Which, in a way, for uh, for a house, means uh, being responsible for the taste, the consistency of style and taste uh, of the uh, of the house champagne. Um, my my former boss at Clico used to say that uh, the cellar master was the guardian of the temple, and I still very much embrace that definition. It's kind of like a chef in a restaurant too. You're <laughs> kind of the master. Of, yeah. of, of the yeah. product. And I don't want to neglect the lovely lady we have in-house as well. We are welcoming Lacey Burke. She is the brand manager for Reunar and brand ambassador for Reunar for the Northeast. Technically, I have from Chicago East, so pretty decent territory. How many people are drinking champagne in the Northeast? As many as I can <laughs> fill glasses for. <laughs> is the champagne market growing in the U.S.? Absolutely. Yeah, we're seeing more and more markets emerge every day. Um, being a smaller brand, we certainly still focus on the major markets. We're still making our mark in New York and Chicago and Miami. Uh, but we're seeing lots of cool emerging markets like Charleston and certainly here in Nantucket yeah. and really kind of finding interesting niches around the country. Well, you are a New Englander, aren't you from Maine? I am originally from Maine, born and raised. Well, it's again, it's lovely to have you here. And as tradition, we like to always toast to our guests. So we're going to pop some Reunar here that they brought into the studio today. And this is a Reunar Rosé. Non-vintage. Non-vintage. All right. Well done. You still know how to open those bottles. (laughs) They say it's supposed to be a hiss, but I think the sound of the pop is quite pleasant. It's celebratory and I do. it's fun. I do. I it doesn't agree with ruin that. the champagne. So what we're actually going to do today is sample this Reunar Rosé with some food. We have three different items and we feel that they're going to work within our philosophy of how uh, to pair food and wine. Frederic and I have discussed that there are three ways to pair. Like with like. Mm-hmm. Which is probably the most uh, the, the 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 pairing that comes to mind to most people, and it's it's usually the safest bet, uh, going you know hand in hand. I would say flavors, uh, texture, and aromatics. And then second would be contrasts. Yes, probably more challenging, but uh, more interesting um, and and 
giving, in my opinion, the most interesting matches, the one that you remember for a long time. And then the third is regional. Oh, yeah. That's uh, another possibility, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, the regional is good. The kind of classic go-to, mm. mm. you know, Italian Chianti with Italian pasta. You can't go wrong, really. As the Italians say, if it grows together, it goes together. That's right. Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. So we're pouring here. Renard Rosé, which is, there's, there's another uh, misconception that, you know, to be maybe more generic, that a lot of people think that champagne is just an aperitif and it, um, it, they don't necessarily um, think that um, it's a great food wine, but it actually it is. I mean, first champagne is a wine. It's not only the bubbles. I mean, there is definitely a wine behind the bubbles. And it's actually quite versatile, and there is a lot of uh, there is a lot of um, uh, possibilities that are offered by champagne. And chefs are often quite uh, pleased to work with a champagne. It might be a bit more challenging sometimes for them, but um, there's there's actually quite a few um, many many ingredients, in fact, that can that can be uh, nicely paired with champagne. And don't you think that that's possibly also why the market's growing? Because they're seeing it's not just for celebratory reasons. Absolutely, I think we do. There's a lot of potential there for uh, to, you know to grow the market and to, and and you know of course you can start your meal with champagne because one of the things that champagne does is that it opens your appetite and and I think this is really what uh, this is really what uh, champagne is great for. I mean, it just you know. It, makes you a bit more thirsty, a bit more hungry, and uh, you're ready to really um, experience your, uh, your lunch or your dinner to the fullest. And I think this is something that some white wines, but especially champagne because of the bubbles, um, you know, uh, have in, in specifically. So we're going to feast on three items that fall into those categories. We have some truffle butter, and then we have some beautiful bread from Something Natural. We also have a beautiful um, cheese from French region. It's a more of a triple creme. And then we have something kind of classic, and you can find in any grocery store, is some sweet potato tortilla chips. You might find strange to pair with champagne, but we think they might we be We can a, try. We can try and see how it We goes. can try. All right. So what would you like to try first? I think I'm going, I mean, the cheese is right here. So, uh, and cheese is, cheese can be a nice pairing with champagne. Uh, if you think of non-vintage champagne, fresh cheese, such as, uh, you know, young camembert or this kind of cheese, uh, do offer some very nice possibilities. But if you, if you like uh, hard cheese, like, let's say, um, Conte or Mimolette or old, uh, Gouda, Gouda, um, cheddar, uh, it can make some extremely interesting uh, matches with uh, older style of champagnes, like a vintage, like a Don Rinar, let's say a 1988 or 1990 with a beautiful maturity. It it just goes uh, super well with uh, with uh, hard cheeses. Blue cheese is a much more difficult option to go with champagne. I think it's better served with a sauté and or sweet wines. So if you're just tuning in, we are with Frederic Paniotis, the champagne winemaker from Riunar, and formerly with Veuve Clicquot, and with his colleague, the brand manager, Lacey Burke, and this is 89.5, Nantucket's NPR, and we're doing a little champagne food and wine pairing, talking about the three ways that we pair food with wine, and traditionally, you can do regional, or you can do likes with like, similar qualities with your food and wine. And then also contrast different textures and flavors that somehow can pair together beautifully. Mm. So we're trying the the cheese first, right? Mm -hmm. Go ahead because I'm eating and then, you know, obviously it's hard to speak. Mm. First with the cheese, you need some good bread because I think the bread is going, is going to make the link between the cheese and the champagne. It's sort of a tame it and at the same time um, enhances the flavor. So I really like, I think it's quite important to have a, 
not necessarily crackers, but a very, very good bread. Preferably if you, uh, if you have a fermented bread, because mm -hmm. the fermentation will yeah. bring toasty, yeasty aromas that are often quite reminiscent of uh, some of the champagne flavors. Like a good sourdough, because this is yeah. a little sweet. This Sa is more in the brioche. Sourdough would be uh, the best option, I think. Yeah. The bread should always be a vehicle. A lot of people are anti-carb. You don't want to have too much bread. It fills no. you up, but it does enhance flavors of things, like dipping it into the sauce. It's not just to just to eat the bread it's actually to enhance different flavors Absolutely. that you don't necessarily taste right and you don't have to eat a lot i mean just you know a very thin piece of it um works uh, wonders so that was pretty good that so was, um that, this so this works i think this works uh, actually quite well because we have here the renard rosé which is very much you know we, we use a lot of chardonnay at renard and uh, even our rosé has up to 45 percent of uh, of chardonnay and we drive the side towards aromatic freshness and this is this is really the emphasis that that we put uh, at Renau in the in the winemaking. So so any kind of a fresh cheese, I was thinking also like a fresh goat cheese would work with this or the Renau Blanc de Blanc. That would be uh, you know pairings of cheese based on the uh, freshness of flavors and a nice soft texture as well. That the, because this cheese is quite creamy mm -hmm. and the uh, the bubbles tend to cut through that that uh, creaminess and 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 make it you know even lighter and fresher. So that's that's a pretty good match actually. Let's uh, just do a baseline for champagne to refresh everyone out in the audience and listening that champagne is one of the hardest wines probably to make because it's always a blend and it goes through two fermentations. Okay. Um, could you briefly just explain the three grapes to us again and that process? The, the main grape varieties used in champagne are indeed uh, Chardonnay, a white variety um, that everybody knows, I guess, Pinot Noir and Meunier, which is probably less known, but it's another black variety. And, and what's the uh, something quite interesting that we do make white wine from all grapes, including black grapes. So, so there's a very uh, specific handling of the grapes. You know, it's all hand harvested and the pressing is very soft, very smooth, so as to not extract the tannins of the black grapes. Um, then basically we make a regular wine, like a still white wine. And the, um, uh, the, the most important phase of the, well, the most important process would be to blend wines together in order to achieve the style of the house or if you're a grower of the grower, mm -hmm. uh, usually by blending different, different years together, different harvests together. At Ruinard, for instance, we blend three, but at Clicquot, we used to blend 10 and sometimes more harvests because mm -hmm. there were some older reserve wines. And again, it depends really on the style of champagne you want to make. Um, and then once the blend has been made, uh, and that takes a few months, you know, we do, we tend to have a daily tasting uh, the group of winemakers with five at Ruinard, but it could be more, it could be less. Uh, and, and you go and through different uh, f uh, phases of tasting the wines to make sure that you know them very well and then how to blend them together to achieve the different, like the rosé would obviously be a very different blend from the Blanc de Blanc. The vintage champagne is only when the year is, is uh, ex exceptional and you decide to bottle a small fraction of that harvest into a vintage bottling, which is usually going to age much longer. And once the blend is made, you add yeast, you add sugar, uh, you add uh, a little riddling agent that's going to help the riddling later on and you put everything into a bottle and because of the yeast and sugar, it's going to ferment a second time. The bottle being closed, uh, the pressure or the, the, the uh, carbonic gas will stay um, in the uh, in the bottle, making the wine sparkling. This is called the méthode champenoise mm -hmm. uh, and where the second fermentation takes place in the, in the final bottle. And eventually, after some years of aging, um, you will have to get rid of the deposit. So you go through the reading phase where you gather the uh, yeast sediment into the neck of the bottle. Then you freeze that neck and disgorge the bottle, get mm -hmm. rid of the deposit. Add a little bit of sugar or not, but usually we add which a little bit of... Which is the dosage. Which is the dosage it and then put the cork. Affects the dryness or the sweetness Abs range. Exactly, mm -hmm. It's exactly that. And then uh, wait a few months and before you label it and ship it to the markets and enjoy it. 
Wow. So you it's can, like, you it's can, like, did everyone get that? It's like, <laughs> it's like three years resumed in 20 seconds. But wow, it takes, no. but it's, there, there are many, many, uh, many, many details which you have yeah. to be very uh, attentive to. And, uh, and the styles can be very different. I mean, mm-hmm. we at Renard use a lot of Chardonnay. We tend to avoid oxidation to protect the freshness. But you can also use, uh, make a little bit of uh, use of oak. And we don't use oak at Renard. We only use Senestee, but like a house like Krug uh, does use uh, old bearers and makes a very, very different style. More Beautiful. kind of rich, round, yeah, richer fuller. And, the... and, uh, and, and yeah, quite full. So, you know, there's there's all kind of options in Champagne depending on the grape varieties, how many uh, how many uh, reserve wines you include, like the older vintages and the, the dosage. It's endless. Yeah, the blending is such a relationship with the wines. Mm. And that's the advantages of working for a house for so long that you're really able to know the wines and really predict, learn, and know how to work them together to create that blend. Absolutely. I mean, it takes, yeah, it takes, I guess, years of experience to uh, to become a cellar master. Cellar master. Mm. And how old are you, Frederic? I won't tell my age, <laughs> but I have enough experience, I guess. But champagne keeps you young. He's very dapper. Okay, so for the next one, we're going to try the truffle butter. Right. Or maybe we should do that last because that's maybe pretty Maybe because intense. it's a bit stronger. It's a right. bit stronger. So we're going to get down and dirty with some tortilla chips, I guess, right? right? I, fried, you know, the fried elements uh, or fried food can be actually quite, quite good with champagne. I love personally. I think one thing that works with champagne is... Um, element, I mean, food or ingredient that are turned and prepared into a fairly delicate way. So if you can do delicate frying, and I, I'm thinking particularly on tempura, for instance, you know, mm. the Japanese style, right. uh, or, or nice crispy fish and chips, if the ship is of very good quality, works actually very well with champagne. Um, Lacey is a big fan, and so am I, of uh, high quality French fries. With champagne. But again, they have to be super good, you know, like freshly prepared, uh, you cook them twice, mm-hmm. uh, different temperature of the oil, mm. and and they're they, they're crispy, they're light, they're not heavy at all, mm-hmm. and they do get well with champagne. Believe it or not, I mean it's a, oh, it's, I a it. it's a simple, <laughs> maybe not sophisticated. If they are prepared the right way, it's it's decadent. Yeah, and the bubbles are so refreshing with the fattiness that we're used to having French fries maybe in our culture with soda or something carbonated in beer, which is also a great pairing. Mm, but mm. the champagne is something that people just don't necessarily think to have with French fries, but we do. That's it, why you're here. That's why I like you guys. It does work. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> and just to bring in our listeners, again, this is Nantucket's NPR 89.5, and this is Camille's Demi Hour. And we were speaking with Frederic Paniotis, who is the winemaker at Champagne Reunar and his colleague Lacey Burke. And we were just talking about how great champagne goes with French fries and other fried foods. I love also in terms of uh, uh, this kind of food, when you fry uh, calamari mm-hmm. or um, the way uh, the Italians use the um, the zucchini flowers and stuff them and then gently fry them. Mm-hmm. Uh, beignet courgette, it's called in French. Uh, it's it's so nice with champagne because yeah. it's delicate, fresh, um, and, and and it really, I think the uh, the bubbles they 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 really echo the um, um, you know the what what you call almost it, the like beignet. the texture the, the feeling texture, of yeah, the yeah exactly. especially if it's maybe a cornmeal type yeah, of um, yeah, exactly. right of the of the tempura something like that. What do you think about the Rionar with these chips? They have a little bit of spice, little they're they're sweet potato tortilla chips. They, they kind of just match in the middle. The goal is to enhance the experience. Sometimes the, it's just balances out. The spice is not a problem. If it's not, I don't know, champagne, as I mentioned earlier, I mean, requests um, a little bit of elegance, a little bit of delicacy. So if the spice is just uh, there to bring a little bit of boost, if it's not too hot, uh, if it's not too spicy, champagne actually handles the spices very, very well. Like ginger, um, cardamom, um, 
wasabi, uh, a bit of chili, not too much. Uh, if you go if you go too strong, it's not gonna work. Like five spices, um, you know, you name it. I mean, you can do wonderful combinations with with a bit of spice. Saffron. We had saffron for lunch mm-hmm. in. Uh, in uh, one of the um, one of the preparation with the puree, mm-hmm. and it just it was just beautiful with the champagne. Great, the rosé. I learned from you earlier that the first written recordings of rosé being made was from Yunar. Right, correct. Tell us it, about that. That's well, it's we incredible found, news. <laughs> it was big news even for us because uh, previously Clico had the uh, oldest record of rosé being produced in 1775. But we looked at um, uh, archives of Rinar uh, about a year and a half ago. I mean, we're still going through archives because we haven't completely um, read them. And But um, we realized that in the month of March 1764, uh, there was a shipment uh, to um, a very important person in Germany that uh, included 60 bottles of a wine which was of a champagne which was not called Rosé at the time, but which, which was called uh, Oeil de Perdrix Mousseux, sparkling eye or partridge eye sparkling which was a way to describe the color which was more intense and and we found out later on that it was really uh you know significantly made to be to have that color to have that intensity to be different from the white champagne and so it is actually the first proof of uh, evidence of a uh, rosé being made so rosé i know there's more than one way to make it a rosé there are two it, ways in champagne correct adding red wine a, a red still and then leaving the, the skin and making on. Macer- mm-hmm. uh, making a maceration rosé which is uh, sometimes wrongly called in my opinion rosé de saigné because the saigné is a different technique but yeah so there and champagne is the only region in europe which is granted the right to blend red wine and white wine together to make a rosé because it's the tradition um, since the 1800s that's that's mm-hmm. how rosé has been mostly made in champagne again another amazing factor in how to blend red and whites to create another another wine and but that's also why rosés typically are more expensive well yeah making the red wine requires uh, specific equipment um, mm-hmm. usually specific handling of the vineyards to have a lower yield um, making the red wine in the climate of champagne which is not always very very um, uh, easy for us uh, requires yeah requires more work and uh, lower yield so that explains the slightly uh, more expensive retail price of rosé versus the uh, versus the white champagne. I guess let's try the last pairing. All right, a little truffle butter. Truffle can be quite uh, quite intense, uh, but let's 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 try it. I think champagne again has a lot of uh, a lot of uh, potential when it comes to uh, you know even flavorful dishes. I think that this one for the rosé would be a bit too strong. Um, but a vintage champagne could do the trick. And why would you say that? Because of the... Because of the earthy, um, you know, the truffle always brings like sort of an earthiness to it. Like, um, so like an older Don Ruinard rosé vintage, let's say um, 1990, 88, 85. Uh, because of the aging, they, they, they pick up um, some like Burgundian flavors because of the Pinot Noir, let's mm-hmm. say. So it becomes quite, you know, like a forest floor. Uh, there's a gentle earthiness, some steward fruit, even some gamey, even some like smoked meat flavor sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that would maybe naturally go more um, with the truffle. When it comes to truffle for champagne, I believe that the summer truffle, which is more delicate, uh, is easier to match. Yeah, this uh, is lingering. It's just hanging yeah. out. I thought possibly this might be a nice pairing. This was more the like with like, but it's kind of too contrast. Right, it's too not, much. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's too much. The chips were the contrast, but they actually seem to balance out. Right. And then there was the cheese regional pairing that we think paired probably best. We all would agree. But then the bread was a little off, which is something that we learned that 
you might be trying to pair your cheese, but then you have to take into account the bread option as well. Even when you have your ideas, sometimes you get surprised by how it's going to really work in the end. So you often have to try it before, you know, if, if you want. I mean, you can try it several times before and adjust the pairing. It just, you know, yeah. I mean, who who is against uh, doing opening a few bottles before you have the right uh, combination? Even at the end of the day, champagne kind of goes with everything. Um, you know, <laughs> yes, we're sitting here dissecting the ins and outs of the cheese and the bread and the truffle. Uh, but truly, if you put this in front of me on any given day, I'd be super happy to have sweet potato chips yeah. and rosé champagne. Yeah, these aren't and serious truffle problems. Butter. No, <laughs> these, these, are, problems. these are minor problems we're dealing with. And if you want to sort of flip it and look at the positive side, the truffle was a bit overwhelming for the rosé non-vintage. However, that sort of really rich, sweet creamy, buttery mm, aspect of yeah. it was a lovely contrast to the sort of bright, vibrant, high-octane kind of tropical fruit that you find in our rosé. So there are elements of it that were a beautiful pairing. Right. So maybe, you know, we weren't batting for, you know, 100, but right. I'd say we came pretty darn yeah. close. You learn what works and what doesn't, and then you kind of take it from there. But there is always something to take away from this type of experience and tasting. And that's the key. You just have to switch things up a bit and try different things all the time. <laughs> Something that can help as well is going for the color. Uh, with rosé, typically, if you want, if you're looking at uh, ingredients that are pink in color, um, and they usually work quite well. Let's say uh, a good prosciutto. I would go for like tuna, lobster, Ooh. because when you cook it, it turns sort of you know reddish pinkish, um, or scampies. You know, same thing. Um, duck, if it's not too um too done it has to be a bit um a bit rare yeah um veal works super well with uh with the rosé and then obviously at dessert time um guava uh strawberry raspberry cherry all those berry fruit uh if you turn them into uh, like a soup it is just like you know a wonderful wonderful match with the with the rosé so and and it's also makes a very beautiful plate you know when you when you have the rosé champagne in your glass and when you have uh, the plate that looks rosy as well you know the pleasure of the eye is also quite important oh yeah and the company which, which I thank you both for coming in today. This has been so much fun. And I just want to add one thing that you have some of the oldest sellers in we Champagne We do have the well. oldest. I've and, seen them. And the only classified uh, seller in France as a historical monument. Well, that's just quite impressive considering how old those calves are and to have that additional history. That's just incredible. So again, thank you for being here. Lacey, we wish you a safe trip and journey back to New York. Thank you so much for having us. Oh, well, it's a pleasure and have a safe flight home to uh, Champagne, Hans. Merci, Camille. <laughs> I hope to see you there again. Yes, indeed. I will return. So cheers. Cheers. Merci. And thank you again for tuning in. This is Camille with Camille's Demi Hour on Nantucket's NPR station. No time for